This is the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. I'm Susie Collick, the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. And I'm Kate Lismer, a writer, traveler, mother, and expat. As a woman who lives in a big city and likes to travel, I'm very curious about self-defense. I've never had any training, so I have a lot of questions. And I have a lot of answers. We figured you probably have similar questions too. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to share this conversation and put it in a podcast. So welcome to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. This is another myth, or at least a, a kind of story that you're told if you're attacked. Um, this idea that you should give in to your attacker or make sure that you do what they say um, to prevent any additional harm. And I wonder what your take is on this and what advice you have for someone who is faced with an attack or is already been pinned down somehow and they're, they're forced to make a choice of whether to fight back or not. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to back that up a little bit because, um, Gavin De Becker, who wrote the book fear and who's an expert on, on a lot of issues around fear and how it can be helpful to us, um, has something really smart to say about this. And he talks about, um, about people who are ordered to do things by a criminal, by an attacker, um, when that person isn't actually touching them. So, for example, in the United States, somebody walks up to you in the parking lot of your supermarket and says, get in the car. You know, and his response, which I totally agree with, which is basically, fuck you, I'm not getting in the car and running away. Because we, again, I said in an earlier podcast that, in an earlier episode that um, people who want to hurt you for whatever the reason is expect you to respond a certain way. They expect you to uphold the social contract and they're manipulating that in their favor. So they're expecting you to just go, yes, of course, that's what I'm going to do. So in a situation where someone is threatening you or ordering you, but they're not actually touching you in their space, don't listen to them. Don't do it. Run away. If they happen to have a weapon, which I'm just going to briefly touch on because that's important, especially for <laughs> Americans, um, if they happen to have a weapon, it's uh, particularly a gun because not so many people throw knives at other people, it's still okay to run. It's really hard to hit a moving target, even with a gun, unless you're highly trained. Do not run in a zigzag. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah. So try that at home. Try that on your free time. Run in a zigzag and see how fast you go. Right. Right. You slow down every single time you turn. Just run in a straight line. You're fine. Don't run in a straight line straight ahead of the guy or woman. Run off at a slight angle if you can. And if you can't, that's okay. It's fine. Just run. But just go straight. Don't zigzag. <laughs> it's nonsense. So, but going back to your question... At a point where there is contact made, where you are being pinned or um, you're controlled physically in some way, is it wiser to go with what they tell you to do or not? This is an annoying answer, but it really depends on the particular moment. Your self-defense system will pretty much guide you through that because that is a life and death situation. Um, we don't know as victims, if somebody is, this is going to sound weird, and again, I apologize for triggers, but 
we don't know if somebody is going to simply rape you and then walk away or if they're going to rape you and then kill you. So we, of course, respond in every situation as though it's life or death because it is for us. That being said, your self-defense system will kick in and help guide you. So if you don't defend yourself, because that's how we walk away thinking about it later, you go along with what they say, you do everything they tell you to do, if that's what seems like the smartest thing to do in the moment to keep yourself safe, then that's what you'll do and that's okay. It's okay to do whatever you need to do to stay alive. You will often kind of subconsciously look for an opening. With training, we learn how to look for openings and we learn how to take advantage of those openings. So looking for the opening when the attacker is distracted, when, the, when their weight shifts, if they're on top of you, um, how to use that movement and turn that into something new so that we have more of an advantage. But sometimes we have to wait for that opening. I can't say if it's wiser to go along with one individual attacker or another because I can't say which one is a killer and which one isn't. It's, I'm thinking about Mindhunter and how, yeah, there's this like, they're trying to break down, you know, patterns in criminal behavior. And this is sort of, you know, it's like they're all different and they might have an MO, but you're not going to know what the MO is, you know. And-, and there's also, I mean, the thing is, is there's, it, hmm, uh, it's a, Every moment is different. Every moment is different, and every experience can be really the same or different. I read about a woman, or I heard a podcast, rather, about a woman who survived um, a a very brutal serial killer. What saved her was looking him in the eye and catching his eye and looking him in the eye in one moment and saying, why are you doing this to me? She became human for him in that moment, and he suddenly stopped and ran off. And then, like, you know, like an hour later, proceeded to kill somebody else. So is that going to save someone else in the same way? I don't know. You know, you, you do whatever comes out of your body. And in those life and death situations, your body, your self-defense system takes over. If you can keep a presence of mind... Um, during that situation to help identify, is there a weapon? What do they look like? If I survive this, I want to be able to tell the cops um, or whoever, you know, so that person can be identified. Can I position this person this way so that I have an advantage towards a door or a window or a phone call or whatever it is? There's millions and millions of, well, I'm exaggerating. There's lots of stories of people surviving just utter terror and attacks and doing things that seem like the most unlikely thing in the world. And yet that's what worked. That's what kept them alive. Right. I wanted to ask you too about these sort of empathy stories where I had similar, like a friend who was kidnapped by a pizza delivery guy. And she told me how she crouched. He had her with a gun on Uh the seat and her story was similar where like she just started asking him questions. Did he have a family? You know, and it was, and I've heard this from other people, this idea of like trying to get your 
um, trying to empathize somehow with the attacker or get them to empathize with you and creating this human connection. Right. To become human in that right. moment because you're not usually, I guess, is my understanding. I mean, I don't really know what goes through attackers' minds. I'm not right. somebody who does that. Well, like you said, they're all different. And, so. Yeah, they're all different. I mean, there's, there's, I think that there's similarities, certainly in sociopathic mindsets, violent sociopathic mindsets. Um, and definitely in the stories that I've heard from people who have taken my courses, from my own experience, um, from other people that I've read about with experience more similar to mine specifically, I see commonalities. But again, they're very different. You know, that whatever that one thing is, I mean, the thing that stopped my attack was my screaming. You know, I didn't even know I was screaming because I go deaf when I'm in, sh in shock. But um, that screaming was so loud, it woke up all of the neighbors, like all the neighbors, three buildings full of neighbors woke up. And I'm pretty convinced that it was, it was the sound of the neighbor's feet on the ceiling from the people who lived above me that made the guy stop. But I don't, you know, I mean. Right. But again, this is another example of your natural defense system kicking in. Exactly. In a way that you can't. Predict. That you can't control right. and screaming. Like I didn't know I would scream. I had no idea. I thought I wasn't a screamer. Normally, when I'm feeling terrified, like on a roller coaster, um, I freeze. I become petrified. I hate it. <laughs> so I become really petrified, and I don't scream. And that's what I thought I would do if something like that ever happened to me. I was really surprised to learn later from my neighbors that I was screaming. So I guess my takeaway from this is you you know, you're going to have a natural defense system kick in and you also have, there's no one situation that's going to be the same. So you can't, you're not going to tell listeners like always fight back or like never do what they say or Correct. there's not like a one, uh, one size fits all defense. Correct. There isn't. But what you can do is if you can, if it, if it feels safe for you is you can imagine scenarios. So part of our self-defense system is also all of the information we've ever taken in which can be from movies, which can be from TV, which can be from reading books like Gavin DeBecker's Fear, which can be, I read some book about surviving, like crazy, surviving any situation or something, and um, which so far hasn't literally helped me in my life. But, but now I know, you know, I know what I could potentially do. So not to say that you have to go research all that stuff, but that you do have a wealth of information. However old you are, you have all the information that you've gathered so far that you can that will be applied. It's not that you can apply it. It will be applied in that situation. Right. I mean, it's kind of like the matrix where, you know, you have all this information coming in and it, it's going to come out when you need it. And so Correct. it doesn't mean you should do nothing. It doesn't mean you shouldn't learn things and it doesn't mean you shouldn't uh, take in knowledge about how to respond, but that in a way your, your natural defense system is going to pull what it needs from what you've taken in. Yeah, exactly. You know, the advantage of learning self-defense is you just add to those, to that toolbox. Right. You know, so that's great. You get even more, mm -hmm. but it's already there inside you said Glenda, the good witch, <laughs> you know, but it's like that you've, you've had it in you all along. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program created by a 20-year martial arts veteran and violent crime survivor, Susie Collin, based in Berlin, Germany. 
You can learn more about Susie and the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense program at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com.